0: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 5 of Staying Local, a Rice Spear podcast. It's amazing to think that we're already up to episode 5. Be sure to subscribe and go back and listen to some of the previous interviews that we've done with some pretty amazing council people. Hopefully you're all enjoying a bit of a return to reality now that we're out of lockdown. I for one thoroughly enjoyed grabbing a coffee, a sit down one with the family over the weekend. The Rice Spear team is back in the office on Monday the 18th of May. So for those of you in Auckland, I'm looking forward to seeing you around the traps. For those of us further afield, I've already got some travel plans in the diary as the courts start to wind up again. I know that our council clients in particular have been inundated with work since we moved to level two, so it's great to see everyone busy, just make sure that you continue to look after each other out there. This week on the show, Helen Rice had the pleasure of speaking with Dany Gardner, the departing general counsel at Auckland Council. Dany's about to become a High Court judge, and all of us at Rice Spear wish her all the best in this exciting new career chapter. Remember, if you want to be added to our newsletter list, it's simple. Just send me an email, nathan at nz. Otherwise, sit back and enjoy the show.
1: Hi Jamie, welcome to the show and thank you so much for coming on board. It's a pleasure to have you on our podcast.
2: Hi Helen, thanks for having me. Oops.
1: Really good of you to do this. So your current role is General Counsel at Auckland Council and you lead the Legal and Risk Department of Lawyers, Legal Execs and Risk Practitioners. That's right.
2: So how many are in the department? Um, Well, we've got uh, 67 people in my department, so we have 54 lawyers, Legal Execs and prosecutors, and then we have our Risk and Insurance team of eight and we have some uh, support people that assist us.
1: Wow, Danny, would that be one of the biggest in-house legal teams in New Zealand?
2: I think so. I think it is, and it sounds uh, it sounds really big, and it is. But uh, we we also advise the uh, three of the council's uh, big CCOS as well, mm-hmm. so Canuku, uh and RFA and ATED, and We do just this enormous range of work, um, everything from, you know, regulatory prosecutions and enforcement uh, through to property and commercial and infrastructure stuff and, you know, civil litigation, public law, health and safety. So it's a really uh, diverse practice, if you like. It's almost like a sort of a middle-sized law firm within Auckland Council.
1: So, with the structure with that, do you, is it set up like many departments within the, like a like a law firm? so you would you have like a head of head of civil and a head of regulatory and a head of public law, is that how it's structured?
2: Yes, so there's myself, and then I have we have four legal teams, so we have a public law team, a regulatory and enforcement team a project and transactions team and a litigation and disputes team. And each of those teams have a manager and that that manager is themselves, you know, a practicing lawyer. Uh, And um, within the teams then there is, we sort of have, we have principal solicitors, senior solicitors and solicitors. And then of course we have a risk and insurance team with risk practitioners.
1: Wow, so it'll be a busy role as General Counsel. So so tell me, I'm really interested, how long have you been at Auckland Council and where did your journey begin at Auckland Council? Uh,
2: So I've been at the Council for five years. Uh, I joined, um, I knew the uh, former, well, the General council before, two before me, Catherine Anderson, uh, from t- our time together at, at Chapman Trip. and I was working in a, practicing in a law firm at the time in public law and she um, enticed me across to the public law team at the council because they were trying to, she was trying to build up that team at the time. So I began their um, I began as a senior solicitor and I was actually try, I was trying to take a, a, a little bit of a um, step back and have a bit of balance in my life. So I actually started out uh, working part-time and then before I know it, I was right into it and um, mm-hmm. then before long, I was the manager of that team and then um, in 2018, uh, I took up the role of general counsel. So, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> taking a step back didn't really work out <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's like five steps forward and uh, yeah. yeah so congratulations In you know a very short period of time five years starting initially as a senior solicitor you then took up the role of general counsel that's really impressive and um, tell me what's the culture like at Auckland Council
2: Ah, uh, the culture I I've really loved the culture um it it's quite you know if you think about what the council does, it you know we have a whole lot of operational people you know rangers and librarians and people who run leisure centers and pools and animal shelters and building inspectors and engineers and then we have you know more back office people planners and strategic policy people and finance and lawyers and ICT so you get this uh, really diverse range of expertise and and I guess backgrounds, uh quite a lot of diversity of age and, and, and ethnicity and culture. And so for me, um, you know, having, I guess before the council worked all of my career in, you know, quite commercially oriented, probably quite conservative, you would say, law firms reasonably monocultural for me uh, that's been really neat and it's kind of been a breath of fresh air and I think it's been really good for me and I've I've loved that Um, so there's a diversity and then the other thing uh, I would say about the council there is uh, then this might sound a bit cheesy but you know everyone is really quite united and quite passionate about what the council is trying to do and create a great Auckland and the part that they're playing in it so that gives rise to yeah just a a great feeling of team of unity and um i've really i've really enjoyed that and then within the legal um team in particular the legal and risk team um the culture is quite it's quite collegial and quite collaborative i would say and a lot of lawyers who join us um from law firms, no offence Helen, but they they are quite, (laughs) they they quite enjoy, um, they quite enjoy that, I don't know why that is, it might be something to do with the fact that we, you know, we're we're not beholden to the chargeable unit or budgets Mm -hmm. or or, or, um, sort of not probably chasing promotion so much and um, so maybe that's something to do with that that collegial environment, and we also try to um uh you know I and the the other managers sort of have a firm belief you're at work for so much of your your day and your life it needs to be enjoyable, so we try to keep it kind of light and, and fun so it's a neat culture
1: wow is your uh, has your Well, are there any spare spaces there? Ah. (laughs) a wonderful culture and something, certainly I try to model in our law firm, and you're right, that we headbutt into different issues. So we do have, um, you know, chargeable hours and marketing. I imagine there's an abundance of work for your lawyers uh, at Auckland Council, and that abundance of work would lessen, you know, that competitive streak and... um, jostling for work and they just can get on with it is that would that be fair
2: yeah i think that's right there's no competition for work at all in fact Mm -hmm. we have the reverse problem we just have too much and it's a constant battle and discussion point for us is how we manage the demand from the organization i know a lot of in-house teams find this because you know you're sort of so accessible and you're I guess kind of regarded as as free to the organisation. So it does mean that um, <clears throat> the demand on us is seemingly um, endless. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, people are, are are more sort of trying to turn work away rather than rather than looking for it in wow. an in-house team. I think that's quite common from other um, in-house um, teams and, and general counsel that I've spoken to.
1: So the work that you've been able to carry out yourself in public law and then through your management role have an involvement in, what would be some of your standout moments? Because I know in the last five years, of course, you know, the thing I think about is for Auckland Council is the adoption of the Unitary Plan. And you know, that was a significant project and process. And I'd be really interested, would that be one of your standout moments?
2: Yeah, I think um you know there are some really big moments have been some sort of landmark moments for the council things like that the unitary plan um the adoption of the long-term plan in 2018 uh introduction of new targeted rates and some of the decisions that the council made uh around the america's cup and getting the america's mm-hmm. cup base going and decisions we made to close big parts of the council's um, park network in the west to deal with kauri dieback. Um, And some of those things sound a bit dull, but I think what's in common with them is there have been quite significant matters where we've really had to pull together as a team across the council, so not just the legal team. There's probably been multiple lawyers across the legal teams working on various aspects of these these significant matters, but we've also been working with operational people um, and um, engagement people and finance people and others. And it's just that, um, and and often with these are matters, where we've been under quite a lot of pressure and time pressure, and some of them been really, really complicated. And remembering that all decisions. Of council of that nature uh, need to be made by our elected members and so um, you know just pulling together the relevant advice um, and and all of the steps that need to be taken for those to enable uh, the governing body largely to to get these things across the line Um, I just remember those as really really great moments and just being really thinking that um, we we'd all sort of pulled together and performed at our best in our, in our various disciplines. Yeah. Those you know,
1: significant moments uh, for you, for your team, for the council, and, you know, for me and for all of us as ratepayers, because the pressure that you work on to deliver those outcomes for the benefit of us, I mean, that, that's the thing about working at a council, right? You're on the coalface, you know, you mm. are creating the future, the now and the future for all of us. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean thank you. Thank you for that. It's, it's amazing. Um, because we're up close and personal, and that's what I love about these podcasts, is that we, you know, really get to talk authentically to our people that we interview. So I have to, if I'm asking about the highs, of course I have to ask you about the lows. You know, what 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 have been the lowlights over the past five years?
2: Mm. Um well, I guess like anyone, you know, probably I'd probably highlight two things. Uh, one, you know, obvi- you know, we I feel like we haven't really done our best or got it quite right, um, and we, you know, we mostly do ninety nine percent of the time. But like like anyone in any profession or any team, sometimes we don't don't get there. And um, I mean, for example, I came back from. Um, the summer break to you know the the discovery that we and I mean I mean the council organisation hadn't quite come up to scratch in a, a, an area of um, legislative compliance, a very specific area, um, but it was a very unforgiving um, regime, and you know there was a lot to um, deal with there. And you sort of you go back and you think, oh God, um, trying to piece together mm-hmm. how that happened, but. Um you know, on the other hand, as I say, we I, I'm really proud of the standard of work of of our team and and the council a, a, as a whole, and I think it's quite rare when that happens, and you just need to um, you know address it and learn from it and and move on. Um, and then I guess the other the other area that can be a bit of a downer is when we are getting a bit of a beat up. Uh, from maybe a lobby group or uh, the media, um, and I mean the council organisation there, and and that's you know the media is there to hold government to account, and I'm not I'm not being critical of that, but sometimes it can become a bit targeted, um, and it can be a little bit demoralising for staff who who are really on the whole just there trying to do their best and actually working really hard, um, so that 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 can be a bit of a downer but it's just it's just part of the job and it's part of you know being part of government so
1: well thank you that's such yeah. that's such a generous answer Danny. and it shows such strength of leadership and courage to talk about you know mistakes and vulnerability of course we're all perfectly imperfect yeah <laughs> not that not that all of us necessarily show up and you know own that side so Go you, Um, i I really thank you for that answer. Um, Just on the back of sort of some low lights and some challenges and some difficulties, can I just acknowledge, of course, we're in week six of dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic. And I imagine, you know, working at Auckland Council through this period uh, would have been very challenging and still is. And I'd love to hear just, you know, a little bit about that
2: yeah yeah so well it's been incredibly intense and i know it has been for a lot of people um so sort of three levels to what um i've had to deal with and myself um first of all you know just getting um 67 people um so in terms of the department 67 people working remotely um, within, you know, within a sort of a week uh, and ensuring that, you know, systems were working and people were feeling connected um, and we could carry on uh, doing our work at what actually turned out to be a really busy time for for the legal and risk teams. So there was that um, challenge, but that actually, we had some ICT challenges in early on, but the, the, the team were amazing and they they dealt with those sort of within a week to 10 days. Um, so there was that side of it then we we did have to deal with um, a lot of, um, as you'll know Helen, we had to deal with a lot of Mm. legal issues arising out of the disruption and in fact the declaration of the emergency so Mm. the Auckland um, emergency management um, function was activated and we had to get to grips with this really unique situation of the declaration of a national emergency where that office was actually operating under the direction of the national controller and the all of government effort, but out of Auckland, it's it's part of Auckland Council. So trying to get our heads around that and what the you know the notice under the um, um, the um, epidemic legislation meant in terms of legislation and special emergency powers, um, we had to change our. Our, all our committee meetings you know of the um, elected members and we consolidated all of those committees into a special emergency committee which we set up and that all took you know legal <laughs> legal advice to get the right delegations in terms of reference in place and then we had on the sort of the commercial contractual side a huge amount of work dealing with um, issues or potential issues arising out of the the pausing of, um, you know, a whole range of um, thousands of contracts because of the lockdown. So I can, and I, I had people in my team saying that they, um, you know, had never worked, they're quite experienced people, sort of in their 40s, saying they'd never worked so hard in their lives or their careers as they had in that, particularly that first two weeks. Um, so that was all pretty full on, and then um, because of my um, involvement at the um, executive team level, I've been involved in um, daily uh, meetings of the executive team and, um, you know, quite um, important decisions needing to be made at pace, especially in that first phase, literally every day. You know, things like what deciding what our essential services are, in fact, so what we're going to keep going and what we what we pause, uh, decisions around um, how we uh, manage the um, financial impact, so um, you know, pausing of non-essential spend and things like that. Um, so, a lot of activity there. So it was really intense, but I have to say, actually, um, quite quite thrilling as well to <laughs> have to have lived and worked through that period and. Yeah and um we're actually taking um we we you know we are taking some positive learnings out of it and in fact in the legal um in, in our department we've set up a wee um subgroup of of lawyers who um and we're calling it the never waste a good crisis group and <laughs> yeah and what we what we're doing is looking at just reflecting on actually some of the positive outcomes that have come out of having to work in this way and things like um, and thinking about how we adopt them and leverage them and potentially make them a more permanent feature of the way we work and things like um, you know increased collaboration so we've had you know councils are known for sort of being a bit siloed and, and hierarchical and and slow and we have just seen the most amazing collaboration across the council, across the council group and and between councils. We've been sharing advice between councils and things like that Um, and and sort of agility and pace so we're thinking about well how do we continue that and not just lapse back into our old way of working Um, and another thing that has been quite neat is we we found within the legal team um, and the risk team that there were parts of our practice that were really busy, um, and I mentioned sort of our commercial contractual um, people and also our public law teams were so busy, and then there were other parts that were less so because the parts of council that they serviced had shut down or had slowed down, and so we, we uh took to sort of redeploying people just entered into, into into different areas where they had some experience but it wasn't really their normal area and so we just got a little bit more flexible and agile around redeployment of people and and that's something that um, we've had feedback that people would really like to continue because it's actually makes the job more enjoyable and interesting um, and then obviously the working remotely and just we want that to be a continuing part of our, I can't hang out, but I'm about to leave. But the, the culture of the legal and risk team, um, it's it's something we were doing a bit, uh, but, you know, hadn't completely embraced. And now people are seeing the benefits of it. Some, some people um, prefer it more than others. And, you know, we're probably going to land on a mix of, working in the office and working from home. But just that greater support um, and encouragement of being able to work remotely, if it suits the individual and it can work in terms of delivery of the legal uh, service, um, we're looking to continue that. That was a very uh, long answer, Helen.
1: Oh no, it's fantastic. I mean, (laughs) so content rich, but you know, just, You've lots of punches, Daini, and your energy, your enthusiasm, and your passion for the job that you are doing and the initiatives that you are part of and your team is part of and the wider council um, is really impressive. So tell me, I hear that you have resigned from your position as General Counsel and will be leaving at the end of May. What is your next chapter? (laughs) <laughs> yeah,
2: so I, um, I'm i very excited. I have been um, appointed to the High Court bench as an associate judge. Mm-hmm. Uh, so an associate judge is a judge with an exclusive um, civil jurisdiction who does uh, a lot of sort of pre-trial interlocutory matters and his jurisdiction over a lot of, you know, companies, companies matters. Um, and so I'm really uh, looking forward to that. Actually, it um, it wasn't something that I was, um, you know, particularly focused on doing, but um, it was a real honour to be um, invited, and I'm really attracted to um, really attracted to the thought of continuing to, I guess, serve the public, but in a different way, and to. Uh, be able to get back to, I guess, having the time and the headspace to grapple with some difficult legal issues in a, yeah, a little bit more depth than my, um, than my current role allows.
1: So a massive congratulations for that. And for our listeners who are not sure how that appointment process works, judges are appointed by the Governor-General on the advice of the Attorney-General, who by convention receives advice from the Chief Justice and the Solicitor-General. So the invitation to become a judge, uh, Danny is reflective of your successful legal career. And I did pick up in the press release uh, Chief Executive Stephen Town of Auckland Council. He said that your appointment is a reflection of the high esteem with which you are held in the legal profession. And I would echo that. And I, and I say personally um, from you know, our firm rice sphere, congratulations. It's wonderful to have... A female appointed. I think the last uh, female associate judge was appointed 18 years ago. Mm, so didn't know that. Yeah. Yes. So to have a female appointed is fantastic, and to have someone of your calibre. So it does bring me on to my next question, and um, which which is, where did you come from? Where, where were you born? Mm. How did you you know get to where you are? With I know you have three children, um, balancing your legal career. Um, yeah, where, where were you born and, and how? Yeah. Did
2: you the war? Well, I was actually um, I was actually born in Lumsden in, in Southland, um, but and I was down there because I was born down there because my father was a ranger um, with uh, the National Parks Network um, at that time. Um, and then, and I'm named after a mountain in um, Fiordland National Park mm-hmm. uh, But then when, um, I think I was about five We moved all the way to the other end of the country To the Bay of Islands Because my uh, father was asked to establish a um, a new uh, na- a Maritime and um, National a Maritime Historic Park, I think it was called In the Bay of Islands So I grew up in the Bay of Islands Lovely Mm -hmm. in in Russell, initially Lovely little historic town Very laid back upbringing And then um, in Opua Which is the equally little place Where the car ferry goes from If you've ever um, (laughs) been there Um, And so, yeah Very, very simple um, upbringing Lots of time outdoors Out in the boat uh, With my father and my family And but I, um, yeah, both my mother ended up working in public service as well. So I think possibly the fact that they were both public servants and very passionate about the environment, mainly was 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 sort of their area of focus. Maybe had something to do with um, my eventual uh, preference to try and do something in the public sphere. Uh, and so I, um, I. I was quite interested in law from quite a young age. I was, you know, a really big reader, a bit of a nerdy reader, and I quite liked thinking about things critically. I mean, I wouldn't have put it like this at the time, but looking back, I did, and sort of trying to work things out and land on um, the, the right answer. And so uh, when it became time to go to university, I took myself down to Otago um, and did a law degree there. Uh, and then um, back to Auckland and I work, uh, my first job was as a summer clerk and a law clerk was in commercial litigation at um, LA Piper, Phillips Fox as it then was. And then I went over to uh, London and worked in a, a leading uh, law firm over there, again doing commercial litigation. Um, and so that was really good and then came back to um, Auckland uh, After about four and a half years And I worked at Chapman Trip Again in commercial litigation And, you know All the, it it was really um, This kind of work Was really um, interesting and challenging At an intellectual level But I did um, You know, it was at its heart You know, acting for companies And sometimes insurers Sort of just battling it out Um, And I I started To feel that um, I just wasn't sure that I was really advancing the world at all through this. Um, And so I did some soul searching after I had my third child and I took a wee break and I thought, what am I going to do? And uh, I decided to test out public law um, and I thought it might take me a little bit closer to feeling like I was maybe making a bit of a an impact on the world in in some way and so I um, went back to university, I went to Auckland University and I did a Masters of um, Public Law and um, which was quite a challenge because I had three young children but absolutely loved that and I was your typical nerdy adult student in the front of um, the lectures, you know, really um, into it and really enthusiastic. And I do remember sitting in some of those lectures and just thinking in, in particular in international environmental law, one that I um, did and just, just feeling so energized and thinking, wow, this is maybe, you know, maybe this is it and, and just feeling like, yeah, law could be an instrument for positive change. So I felt that I'd found my, my thing, and, um, and then I did a couple of years at Chen Palmer, a specialist public law firm, um, and then found my way to Auckland Council, as, as I described, um, through my connection with um, um, the person who was the general counsel at the time, and have a look back.
1: So it's it's quite the journey and and quite the craft. And I did actually pick up that you were from the South Island and Southland because you said early on in this interview, we w e e said, oh yes, it was just a we project. And I I know from my husband being from the South Island too that that's quite the South Island sort of. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> you through to yogurt, which comes in a container. Yeah. What do you call the container?
2: What do I call a container?
1: Yes, of yogurt. A pottle. Ha ha! I knew it. <laughs> yeah, North Islanders, we call them pots.
2: <laughs> so there's
1: there there's pottle, there's, there's crib, and there's wee, and those are the yeah. three. <laughs> <hotels>. <laughs> there you go. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, GPS to your career. It seems like the kind of the perfect, you know, ranks on the ladder, and up and up you've gone. Like, did you? did you kind of mark it out or was did you just fall into these opportunities? Because I'm interested in what advice you've got for our listeners on how do we get to where we are destined to be, um, which is in service of of, of our purpose. Like how, how did you, how did you get, how do you know what steps and what opportunities to take? What's your advice?
2: Uh, look, I have just been sort of a a one-step-at-a-time sort of a person. I I guess I've been quite, I'd say I've been thoughtfully opportunistic. So I have never had a plan, a life plan, uh, and I've never really known the ultimate destination. But I'm just a big believer in um, just experimenting, I guess, and, and trying something out and seeing if it fits, and then reflecting on what fits about it or what doesn't, and then using that to guide you in your next move. And I do think if you, you know, whenever you make a big move, and even this 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 move to the bench, mm. um, you know, it's a bit of a nerve wracking um, decision, but um, I sort of think it helps if you, if you remind yourself that um, it doesn't necessarily have to be forever and you make an educated choice and, um, and, and you're really just trying something to, to see if it works. And it's important to, to keep yourself fresh and, um, and that's the only way you're going to find the right fit really is if you're prepared to move and, just, and, and, and reflect on that move and then potentially move again. that's that's just been my approach
1: that's really good advice i mean that just illustrates to me that you're a risk taker and that you're not afraid of change and Mm. so quite fine about pushing yourself out of your comfort zone i mean a lot of us just like to stay cozy uh i mean i know personally like change does produce excellent results i've seen that in my career Uh, but for a lot of us we are safe players so again i congratulate you for taking risks and <laughs> stuff done. So, so as well as having three kids in the stellar legal career and you know can I say again um I think you're the first appointment to the bench from an in-house legal team so that's again trailblazing and setting an incredible example for you know in-house lawyers that um, you can make it to the high court district court wherever you know anything's possible so another glass ceiling broken well done. Thank you thank you. So outside of the law uh, and you've got your three lovely uh, children and husband I'm, I'm sure our listeners are kind of interested to know what are your outside law passions?
2: Mm. Well, um, I like to run. So I'm part of a running group. Uh, we call ourselves the Tarsi of Tarts. Um, mm-hmm. And we, um, I'm very sporadic in my attendance, but mm-hmm. we do uh, register and attend sort of runs around you know, New Zealand, typically in places where we can drink nice wine afterwards, um, like the Hawke's Bay. And, and, um, and sometimes we go to Australia and I typically um, register for for a half marathon and then don't train properly and have to downgrade to a 10k but that's still fun Um, so there's been lots of time for running lately in lockdown Um, I do like to do lots of my family and I do lots of hiking and every year we do at least one uh, great walk and in fact we were supposed to be walking the Rootburn this um, last Easter so we, we we always do these walks with our three other families so we all got dressed up in our in our hiking gear with our backpacks on and our scrogg and, and we had a zoom um, <laughs> hiking <laughs> session So that was quite fun. What else do I like to do? I love films. I'm a huge New Zealand International Film Festival. I just go crazy and I book sort of 20 films and then have to bribe people to come with me. Um, So I love films and I saw that it's online this year. So I'm going to invite people over to my house and we can do film festival at home. Um, and then I'm I'm quite into music as well. And I'm I having to interrupt
1: there because I have spotted you out.
2: I, I know, I know. I like music and I like dancing. And we have run into each other on the dance floor, <laughs> Helen, <laughs> at a certain location on K Road. Um, <laughs> an 80s night, I think, wasn't it? Yes. <laughs> it was an 80s night. It was an 80s night. That was fun. <laughs> But I love, I love music and through my son, my 16 year old son who's obsessed with music, I'm sort of learning about all these new bands and um, we, um, he allows me to take him to, because he's still underage, to um, to concerts. Um, so that's quite fun. Yeah, so those are my, my main interests outside work.
1: Oh, so is he a fan of Benny, the new kind of, well not new, but been around for a while, the, the young woman from Auckland who's got 24 million listeners
2: oh I don't know he hasn't talked to me about her I don't know listen. his genre is art pop if you know what that is so I'm learning a lot about art pop
1: (laughs) this leads me into my couple of wrap-up questions because I think we're unfortunately at the end of our our session but the last couple of questions are a bit fun so the first one is a perfect segue which is What's your go-to song in your car that you sing to really loud when nobody's
2: in there? Oh. (laughs) Um, Okay, so if I'm feeling modern, I would – And so recently I would put on 4AM by Grimes, (laughs) which my son has introduced me to. Or if I'm feeling nostalgic, um, I'd go to some old favourites, like maybe Simple Minds, Alive and Kicking.
1: Nice. Yeah.
2: Or maybe I'd even go back to like the Pixies, something like that. Did
1: you go to Big Day Out in 1982? Yeah, yeah. Talking heads. Oh, so So good. (laughs) So good. Okay, so another passion of mine, which I always like out talking about, is food. So, what would be your best midnight snack? Inspire me.
2: Oh, my best. Oh, well, I guess a typical midnight snack for me, because I do actually sometimes wake up in the early hours and I'm thinking about work and things. Um, So I have, um, this might not sound very exciting, but I I would have almond butter and banana on toast with a cup of tea. That's what I have.
1: Have you tried honey and banana, which is what I had this afternoon? Oh, no, I haven't.
2: No, (laughs) sounds good. Very good.
1: Oh, look, one more just for um, for luck then. This is sort of for us to to get excited about in the not-too-distant future, I hope, which is travelling again. So where was the worst place that you've travelled in the last couple of
2: years? Uh, My family and I, we went to Vietnam last year, and just we just, speaking of food, we just ate ourselves silly around Hanoi and Hoi An it was just insane couldn't have a bad meal we're quite we're all quite obsessed with food as well so we talk about food a lot mm-hmm. um, and a lot of planning goes into our meals and then a lot of you know discussion uh, so yeah Vietnam absolutely loved it loved the food loved the people um, and I'd, I'd go back there we only had um, two weeks so I'd just I'd love to go back um, when we can and see some more of it
1: Oh, look, thank you so much, uh, Daini, for allowing me to get up close and personal to you, especially at a time when you're even busier with COVID-19 and dealing with the pandemic at Auckland Council, and also at this chapter in your life, which is just before you enter into the High Court, when I'm sure the free flow of these sorts of discussions will become More difficult. So, this opportunity, I am very grateful to you for seizing it and agreeing to be interviewed. You've been an absolute delight and a pleasure to talk. (laughs) And go you! Congratulations! I wish you all the best. You're an inspiration to all of us. Thank you, Dani, for what you've contributed to our legal profession and to and to Auckland
2: Council. Thank you. Thank you, Helen. Great to talk to you. See you later. Bye. Okay. Bye. (laughs)
0: thanks everyone for joining us for episode five of staying local i hope you enjoyed helen's conversation with Danny gardner and we wish Dany all the best in her move to the high court remember if you want to be added to the newsletter mail out list send me an email nathan at ricespear.co.nz and we would be really grateful if you liked and subscribed and Just share the podcast with friends and colleagues. It, It helps us to spread the word. Next week on the show, we've got another interesting woman who we will sit down and have a chat with. This time, Barbara Mead from Marlborough District Council. But until then, stay safe and enjoy that little bit of freedom.